Good evening, everyone. Grace and peace and God's blessings to all of you. My name is Pastor Gloria Boyd, and we're going to have a Holy Ghost wonderful time in the Lord. Amen, amen, and amen. Today, I'm looking for two readers, 2 Corinthians 9, verses 5 to 8, and Ecclesiastes 7, verses 27 to 29. This evening, I want to talk about man can choose an idea, but he cannot destroy it. So, I'm really taking you all deep into some spiritual stuff and in understanding the human mind. Not so much the human mind, because if ever the human mind goes, the body returns to a corpse. So, the mind and the spirit and your concentration and all that, that is all part of your the indwelling Christ of the God within you. So we have to use it and use it wisely. It's a gift from God. Your imagination is a gift from God. And you're supposed to use it and use it wisely. So let me give a little preamble before we get to the readers. One of the most important things for us to remember is that we are always causing something to be created for us. You are always causing something to be created for yourself, whether you're consciously aware of it. Hear me and understand me clearly. One of the most important things for us to remember is that we are always causing something to be created for us. And and that whatever cause we have set in motion, must produce some kind of an effect. Whatever cause you have set in motion, whether you did it deliberately or not, it must produce some kind of an effect in your conscious life. Now, the the thing is, are we producing the effects we would like to experience? The creative process will go on willy-nilly whether we do it consciously or not. We cannot beat nature at its own game, for we are some part of the game, she is playing. We are part of the ocean. You're just a drop. You can't beat the whole ocean or a little drop of you can't beat it because you are part of it. Shall the result in our life be a comedy or a tragedy is up to you. We are given the will to decide the issue. You have the will to decide what kind of life you're going to live. We should carefully consider whether we are willing to experience the result of our thoughts. There should never be any hurt in them for ourselves or for anyone else. Very, hear me. You should carefully consider whether you are willing to experience the result of your own thoughts. There should never be any hurt in them, not for yourself or for anyone else. We may be sure that if there is hurt for others, there also must be hurt for ourselves. If you are thinking evil or bad for another, you're thinking evil or bad for yourself. As we sow, so we shall reap. But here 
is no real limitation. For the creative life wishes us to have all that we can use. If we keep our thought fixed upon the idea that this energy, which is also intelligence, is now taking the form of some desire in our lives, then it will begin to take this form. If we change the desire, then it will change the form. Therefore, there must be a definite purpose in our imagination. Are you hearing me? Hear me clearly. If we keep our thought fixed upon the idea of this energy, if you look at God, if you look at the Christ in us, if you look at the Supreme Being in us um, as an energy form, because everything comes from God, we can't do anything without Him. So He is the force, He is the energy, He is the strength. If we could think about this idea as an energy force or some kind of intelligence, it's now taking form of some desire in our life. So if, if the energy or the intelligence is now taking form of some desire in our life, then it will take this form. If we change the desire, then it will change the form. Therefore, there must be a definite purpose in our imagination. I hope you understand that. The desires and the thoughts you have in your head, you are thinking it into an energy form or intelligence. Nothing produced out of your life, outside anyone's life, without first starting in that intelligence form, in, in your God self, in that spirit form. There is nothing that is produced outside that hasn't first started in that intelligence form. So, the thoughts that you're thinking, hovering over that energy form or that intelligence can take form. It can take form. All right. So, let's pause and let's go to the readers and let's see if we can make some kind of sense here. Amen. All right. We'll have the first readers. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as a covetousness. But this I say, he which soweth, soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposed in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. The word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Next reader. Behold this have I found 
says the preacher, counting one by one, to find out the account. Which yet my soul seeketh, but I find not. One man among a thousand have I found, but a woman among all those have I not found. Lo, this only have I found, that God hath made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions. Amen. Praise be to God. We are so one with the whole that what is true of us is also true of us. We are one with the whole so that what is true of it is also true of us. I like the analogy of the drop and the ocean. We are one with the ocean. So whatever is true of the ocean is also true of us. If the ocean is made out of salt water, we are also made out of salt water. Because we are one with the whole. And what is true of it is also true of us. We are one with unmanifest substance. Hear me. Hear me. You're not only you're one with the spirit. You are one with the indwelling Christ. You are one with the creator. You are one which caused with the cause, the first cause. You are one with it. So we are one with unmanifest substance whose business it is to forever take form. And we are one with the law which gives the form. You hearing me, somebody? You could take charge and direct your thoughts more constructively. You could take charge and start thinking. You could take charge and you could start progressing your life forward. We are one with the whole. Which is that which is true of it. So whatever its nature is, it's all we are also it's also true of us whatever the nature of the whole is in a small form because we are a drop in an ocean we are one with the unmanifest substance whose business it is to forever take form and we are one with the law which gives the form we are all part of it the entire order is one of being spontaneous being and spontaneous manifestation. The law follows the word. Just as the word follows the desire. Hear me somebody. The law follows the word and you are part of the law. You are part of the substance. The law follows the word. Just as the word follows the desire. The desire arises from the necessity of the universe to become self-expressed. And we are the ones that is going to be expressing it. The law follows the word. The word follows the desire. 
The desire comes from God. The word gives form to substance and the principle of subjective law produces the manifestation. There is no effort in the process whatsoever. What we concentrate then is attention. This is done through intention. You hear me? What we concentrate then is attention. You have to pay attention to something. Come buy wine, buy milk, buy without money and without. How do you buy it? You buy it with attention. So what we concentrate then is attention. This is done through the intention. What is your intent? This is done through intention and the willingness to hold thought centered until the form appears. Pastor Boyce have a saying. He doesn't like when I get an idea. <laughs> because when I get an idea, I don't give up until it's it manifests. No, no, no matter how I try to tell him, well, I'm just investigating, I'm doing some research. No, 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 no. Every time you get an idea, you don't stop until it's finished. <coughs> so, we must concentrate. And then our concentration is by attention. And this is done through intention. You first must have an intent before you could concentrate. You're concentrating on something for what? What is the intent? So you must have an intention and the willingness to hold thought centered until the form appears. It is unnecessary to learn any methods of concentration whatsoever if these simple rules are followed. You don't have to be worried about will and determine just what is the intent. And once the intent is strong, it will drive everything else. Now, man has the ability to choose what he will do with his life. You, all of us, have that choice. Man has the ability to choose what he will do with his life. Now, we may have been brought up and never realized that we have this kind of freedom, but we do. Man has the ability to choose what he will do with his life and is unified with a law which automatically produces choices. So, he can choose and the law produces the choices that he makes. While he he does not have the ability to destroy the idea of himself, He does have the ability to deface it, to make it appear discordant, but he cannot destroy the divine image. Nobody can. Nobody can destroy the design desire or the design image that God has placed with you. They could try to destroy it. They could try to deface it. They try to make it look as if it's, it's not valuable. But they cannot destroy it. No one can destroy the divine image. Now, man is an individual and does with himself what he wills. The scripture says God had made man upright, 
but they have sought out many inventions. You heard Prophet Angela read it. God had made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions. Individuality cannot be automatically produced. It must be spontaneous. It would not be individuality without the ability to think as he chooses. We live in a universe of love as well as a universe of law. One is the complement of the other. The universe of love pulsates with feelings, with emotions, and the universe of law is the executor of all that feelings and all that emotions. Are you hearing me, somebody? We live in a universe of love as well as a universe of law. One is the complement of the other. The universe of love pulsated with feelings, with emotions. And the universe of law is the executor of all feelings and all emotions. In this lesson, let us remember that back of the man which we see is the divine image. There's a perfect concept of man held in the mind of the universe as an already accomplished fact. But man is subject to the law of his own choice. Every one of you have within you a perfect image, perfect and whole in every way. Perfect just as how God made you. But because we are subject to our own choice, because we are free to choose, we don't always choose what is right for us. Now, man is conscious mind of spirit. If you look at what the definition of man, man is conscious mind or spirit. So um, a human being is conscious of themselves. Man is conscious mind or spirit. This stands for his objective faculty. So his faculty, he has a brain, he can think. The objective mind of man is his recognition of life in a conscious state. It is the only attribute of man that could, that is self-choosing. It's the only attribute of yourself is your mind that gives you that ability to choose. Consequently, it is the spiritual man. So it is the spirit in you that gives you the ability to choose. The conscious mind of man is the contemplator. The conscious mind of man is the contemplator. Now, God creates by contemplating his own I amness. And this contemplation through law becomes the objectification of self realization of the infinite man. So, God creates by contemplating. Guess what? You create the same way. The divine nature is reacting in man. He is a conscious mind and spirit. 
and as he contemplates, he reflects his thought into universal subjectivity where it is received and acted upon. You have to clean up your thoughts, please. You have to clean it up. Remember, you're part of the ocean, so whatever God does, you does it. You do the same thing because you're part of His nature. So the divine nature is reenacted in man. He is conscious mind and spirit. You are conscious mind, and and as he contemplates, he reflects his thoughts into the universal subjectivity where it is received and acted upon. As mind or soul accept these images of thought, it operates upon uniform substance and cause it to take a definite form as body, which is unconscious form. It becomes definite form, but the form itself is unconscious because it is made of immaterial substances. Body of itself without mind has neither consciousness nor volition. Devoid of mentality, the body neither thinks, sees, hears, feels, touch, or tastes. If you remove your brain, you're a vegetable. If you remove that God self in you, you're a vegetable. You neither think, see, hear, feel, touch, nor taste. Take the mentality away from a body and it becomes a corpse. Having no conscious intelligence, it at once becomes disintegrated and to resolve into the universal substances of unformed matter from which it came. Although man is inherently a perfect idea, his individuality covers this idea with the forms of thought which he images. Although man is inherently a perfect idea, his individuality covers this idea with the forms of thought which he images. Man comes into this life subjective to the race of consciousness and his own environment. He unfolds his own personality and begins to create new subjective thoughts. He thinks and observes, draws certain conclusions and deductions, and incorporates them with his mentality, until at last they also become part of the reflective course of his objective or existence. Please, watch what you're saying. Watch what you're thinking. Think progressively. Think forward. Don't be going back and bringing up old story. Please, let the story stay where they are. When we realize that everything is mine and that nothing moves but mine, and that the only instrument of mind is thought, which is contemplation in some form or another, we will see that nothing 
can permanently heal or nothing unless it be accompanied by right thinking. When one realizes that everything is mind, everything, take the mind away and you, 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 you're your corpse. When one realizes that everything is mind and that nothing moves but mind, your hand can't move if you don't tell it. Some things are automatic, yes, because you develop certain habits and patterns, but you don't do anything unless your mind tells it. When one realizes that everything is mind and that nothing moves but mind, and that the only instrument of mind is thought. The only instrument of mind is thought. Look how important it is. The only instrument of mind is thought. Which is contemplation in some form or another. So when you realize that everything is mine and nothing moves but mine. And that the only instrument of mine is thought, he will see that nothing can permanently heal unless it be accompanied by right thinking. You want to heal your finances? Clean up your thoughts. You want to have more love in your life? Clean up your thoughts. You want to gather more friends? Clean up your thoughts. You want to advance on your work? Clean up your thoughts. Because thought is the only instrument. The only instrument. Now, realizing that conscious thought operates through a power which is infinite, we see there can be no limit to the power to heal our circumstances other than the limit of our ability to conceive that the power as a healing object. We can heal anything that bothers us. You can heal your housing situation. You can heal the limitations in your life. When you realize that conscious thoughts operate through a power which is infinite we see there can be no limit to this power other than the limit of our ability to conceive the power as healing we are limited not by principle but by our own inability to see perfection our thought can bring out a condition as perfect as we can conceive. Therefore, the man whose thought is most godlike, that is, that is the truest, the highest, the most noble, the most complete, the most perfect, will be the best expression of God. His thoughts reflect a greater perfection. That is why 
we cannot divorce true mental healing from true spiritual work. When thought reaches a higher degree of perfection, as the race consciousness unfolds and evolves, it will bring out a still greater development of life as we now know it. I'm going to stop there today because this is a little bit much for you. I'm going to stop there today and let you contemplate on that. 